Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we bring you Toy Soldiers from 1991 and Hostage High from 1997, which has also been titled Detention, the Siege at Johnson High and Target for Rage. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Should we, like, just click the record button on Skype as well, and then we have a backup if something goes wrong? Skype has a record button? That's how we recorded the week that you weren't here. I don't remember how it works. Oh, I don't have a record button. Oh, there is a record button. Yeah, I think it's actually only you that has it because you're the one that initiated the call. Oh. Remember that that week you weren't here, that's how we recorded the show on it. Quality was fine, so. Okay. Well, I just hit record, so. There you go. We We should do that all the time, probably. Just in case. Yeah. I feel like we maybe had this discussion before and we just did nothing with the information instead of starting to do it all the time. That doesn't sound like something we would do. It's like finally the week where we absolutely need it. We're like, oh yeah, we should have been doing this the whole time. I don't think I was aware that you could do that, but I could be wrong. I always thought you had to get like a secondary plug-in or something for it to work. No, like I guess this is how we did it the one week when it was just yeah. what I. I didn't realize they had changed it. Smart of them. It seems like they a were no probably brain. they were probably filling in that gap of uh, hangouts. Oh yeah, now they're up against Zoom, whatever that is. Yeah, I looked into that just because I don't know. I always want to keep up to date on such stuff so that when shit stops working correctly. But for the free version, you can only record up to forty minutes. So. Yeah, and Zoom just kind of blows. That's what. Yeah. Only use it the once with a one-on-one with somebody. So we use but, we use WebEx at work and uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, if I want to be completely douchey, I will say it was my with my financial advisor. Oh, yeah. mm. No, I have a like. Do you want to both of your dollars over here or you want to keep one of them? No, it was actually just a couple weeks ago because uh, I have a 401k at my old job. So I need to do something with it. So I was talking with her. So she, her job is that kind of nonsense. You just roll it into another 401k. Yeah. If I ever have another job that has one, we'll see. 
don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not forcing you to take your 401k, right? No. But yeah. I just kind of want right. want to make sure that I have control of it and kind of know what's going on. Yeah. So we're we're basically setting it up in our own, like, independent 401k. Just investing it in a very similar fashion. Just there's not a company that's adding to it for me. So, right. So, yeah. Fun, fun adult stuff that you have to do. I have, I have Bullshit. two 401ks Ooh. with a combined $5,000. <laughs> combined? If I stay at this rate, I'll be able to retire when I'm 237 years old. <laughs> uh,. Do you have a 401k, Doug? Those are an American thing. We don't have them here. Oh, God yeah. damn it. Yeah, they have, they have actual retirement plans and pensions. Oh. Yeah, they're not. Most places aren't that good. My work is actually really good. We have a very good pension. But Fuck. Fuck you, Doug. <laughs> God damn it, Doug. <laughs> Sorry. Bullshit. You don't have to take your own money and put it in something and then... Trust that the stock market is going to make it money. How dare uh, so you. yeah, well, I do have to contribute to my own pension, but I, as of right now, I don't have to trust anything to do with the stock market in order to ensure that I get a good payout. So, Ugh. God damn it! So, so, <laughs> so let me let me just let me just let me just uh, show you what it's like down here in the states, Doug. So when everything started taking a dump, you know, mid March. Uh, about mid-April, uh, people were telling you, whatever you do, do not look at your 401k. Yeah. So, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I lost, I literally lost half of my retirement in two days. Yeah, but hopefully it's going to grow back before you're old enough to, for it to matter, right? That's right. Well... But here's here's the thing. It bounced back, but because of the way that compound interest works, it can never come back as fast as it can go away. That's true. So it hurt. It hurt. Basically, I lost two years of progress. It'll take another two years to make up for fucking Trump being a dipshit. Luckily, I wasn't paying attention to what mine was up to, so I'll just have no idea. This is a fun way to start our conversation about my fees. <laughs> Do you, Do you guys want to turn to terrorism and hostage taking? In order to <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about people dying? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was crazy. So that's that's what fucked my day up. So, so like I said, I'm not. We won't go into detail about all that. Somebody I know died. Very sad. Mm -hmm. uh, but the dude was an alcoholic and has been drinking himself to death for a decade. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't. I. I just can't bring myself to be like devastated by it because he knew what he was doing, <laughs> you know. Sure. But so I got a bunch of calls about it yesterday, and then today I got off work and I got like three more calls about it, and everybody's asking me about stuff, and I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, I haven't talked to him in like three years. I don't fucking know. Call his family. Why are you guys calling me? Like, mm. so I got distracted with all that. So then I tried to get dinner done so i started cooking dinner i get halfway through dinner find out that our milk is spoiled so the thing i was making you absolutely cannot make without milk so i was like okay well god fucking damn it and now it's almost seven o'clock 
<laughs> so ended up like ordering takeout and shit and throwing that movie on. And then, of course, I threw the movie on expecting it to be, you know, 96 minutes like most oh, movies. No. Yeah. And instead, it's a fucking giant fucking hour oh. 50 minute beast. Yeah. The, the awesomeness of Sean Astin and Will Wheaton could not be contained in, in a paltry 96 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, in a world where you're trying to fit them into a movie with Louis Gossett Jr. Right? Uh, so, Noah, since you bring it up and you literally just finished watching it, do you want to tell us what uh, Toy Soldiers is all about? Uh, so, Toy Soldiers is about a prep school that is taken over by terrorists and the kids, through shenanigans, have to uh, stop the terrorists. Or at least help the the good guys stop the terrorist. That's that's yeah. literally in the entire plot of this movie. There's a lot of subplots, and they're all kind of fucking irrelevant. Some of them are fun though. When the mafia gets involved somehow, I'm like, that's great. I'm glad that's going on. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell right away. You know what my biggest complaint about this movie is? Sean Astin is minutes. the bad. Well, no, Sean Astin is the bad boy is the most fucking unbelievable <laughs> casting. Who the fuck? It's what very, the fuck? You know, I'm sure he was probably trying something because he was tired of being the good guy. Yeah. So he wanted to be the bad boy, probably to help his image or whatever. And as you could tell, since, you know, the last big thing he played was Bob on Stranger Things, it definitely worked. He kind of gave up on that. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm a Samwise. I'm always going to be a Samwise. I'll just, yep. I'll just lean into it. And we you have what, like Chappie from Iron Eagle trying to teach life lessons again. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? You know what I love about this movie right off the bat is I love about in a world where we're all like really divided. This movie's all about harmony because clearly there was two studio execs and one wanted to make a Die Hard ripoff, but the other one wanted to make an Iron Eagle ripoff. And it's amazing how well they were able to compromise and make something that was exactly <laughs> down the middle between those two things. I I agree with that. I will say this: Do you guys find? the violence in this movie to be a little jarring for some reason. Yeah, like this what, movie's yeah. very much a PG movie. And then all of a sudden there's like R rated violence just tossed in there every once in a while. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? What movie am I watching? Yeah. So I, I watched this through a, like a free streaming service through one of the television networks up here in Canada. And it's like, so it has like regular commercials in it when I watched it and it felt very like almost like a made for tv movie and then every now and again there's like a child being shot and you're like oh what the hell just happened <laughs> or like at the beginning when that like it's i think it's the judge that gets thrown out of the helicopter and you're like oh we're yeah. just gonna watch him splatter on the ground eh? well that doesn't seem like as fun as this movie could be <laughs> but like it didn't bother me but i can understand why like if you were a parent you might think that most of this movie would be fun for kids to watch and then all of a sudden stuff like that happens you're like oh no not that part see and i just had the the reaction that oh hey this is like all the best stuff from 80s movies but coming mm -hmm. at the very tail end of that kind of stuff and like what was it 1991 yeah so I just went with it. I thought it was fucking awesome. The whole time when I was watching this movie, I was actually thinking of you, Brian, because I'm like, this is like what happens when the kids on bikes 
gets sent off to prep school. That's what this was. This Fuck was like, right. All, what happens if uh, the bunch of terrorists try to take over the high school where all the kids from the Goonies end up going together? And it's like, <laughs> it's not going to work out well for you. And this movie nails that. It's just like, oh my God, perfect. I really, really enjoyed watching it because I'm just like, this is great. I love the fact that these terrorists are going to get screwed over by these like, <laughs> <laughs> like this group of misfit children made up of Will Wheaton as like the badass because he thinks he's <laughs> he's supposed to be the mafia guy's son. And so he's got an ear and he thinks he's now he's tough. And it's like, all right. Yeah. Well, he his dad is a mafia boss and he's rebelling against that. That's how much yeah. of a badass he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh. What about His you, Noah? What is you pretty say? pathetic, though. It's a little sad. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's all right. It's a fun enough movie. I think it's a little bit too long, obviously. And I, I've seen this before a long, long time ago. And whenever mm-hmm. I rewatched it, you know, usually whenever you rewatch something, you, it all kind of like just comes back as it happens. In this one, I was like, maybe I've never seen this movie before because I don't remember any of this. And then it got to the scene where uh, Sean Astin has to run back into the the place and he falls in the river and he's soaking wet. And he's like kind of like stripping and pretending to be in the shower on the way. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's the only fucking scene of this movie that I remember <laughs> happening. I don't remember anything else. You're like, yeah, that's right. Take those clothes off. This is what I remember. Well, no, just because I remember that being, like, an intense part of the movie the first time I saw it. Because the idea of, you know, they've all got to be in the cafeteria every hour. Five people get shot. And so it's him trying to, you know, get out and get back in 45 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I actually remember that being very intense when I was a kid. But the scene that I, that stuck in my memory and the scene that got this movie put on the list was the definitely when they break into the phone line to call the 976 number or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that was my main memory of this movie from being like, you know, kid and seeing it and being, I'm just like, I got to revisit that movie and see if it's as ridiculous as I remember. And it is. They're, it's great. Their weird, uh, group pseudo masturbatory scene. It's weird. It's weird. A little weird. It's a little weird, but it's also like, it's, Man, how times have changed. Like, they have to break into a building and tap into a phone line just to hear a girl talk dirty. Now, like, kids in those dorm rooms would all literally just, they'd each have a computer and a phone and two other devices where they could access way more pornographic material (laughs) on a moment's notice. It's like... It's it's just hilarious to me because remember like he actually like has like equipment that he uses to hook into it and everything. Mm-hmm. Name like drop, it. name drop for uh, Radio Shack. Yeah. Um, the only thing I remember is the scene where he Sean Astin has to climb into the uh, ventilation ducts, and I have no <laughs> idea why that's what I remember, but that's the only thing I remember. <laughs> You know what? Because it's one of the moments where you're like, "Oh, this isn't. These aren't real people. These are Hollywood actors." Because it's just like these kids, and they're just like, "There's an air duct up there." And then they just jump up and grab it and like pull themselves up. And I'm like, "What? What high school kid like goes to the gym enough that they've got like just the core strength to just <laughs> randomly climb up like a fucking ninja?" Not just well, the core strength. Whenever they show him drop out of that ceiling, it's, it's got to be 15 feet. I mean, it's got to be. <laughs> Like, yeah. hey, there ain't a fucking kid alive that's got that kind of vertical. Yeah, it's a, 
It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, all those things are little nitpicks when you're watching Goonies go to high school. So, <laughs> Goonies go to prep school, you mean? Taken over yeah, by sorry. terrorists. Terrorists played I, by uh, Wishmaster himself, Andrew Devoff, which I, yeah, which I did not right. remember. But he is such an awesome bad guy. I was going to say, uh, one of the weirdest things is the whole time I was watching this, I kept being like, did Joel Schumacher fucking direct this movie? Because <laughs> there's there's a lot of, like, attractive young men who serve no purpose who have their shirts off an awful lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there is, like, these these teenagers that are just hanging out in their terrorist-infested dorm rooms are awfully naked it's like why are why like why is it why would you just be in a speedo if you're just hanging out with your buddies like trying to figure out how to kill time when you've been kidnapped it's weird you didn't really notice it until the uh the uh the dishes are done man guy from (laughs) don't tell mom the babysitter's dead it's just like Yeah. yeah in his skivvies like sitting awfully close to sean astin on a bed when they were trying to console each other, it's and look yeah. well, whatever, whatever works. I'm just saying it was for yeah. for 1991. I think we like, can Whoa. all agree that it's it's sure mockery. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little weird at times. <laughs> I mean, I was even thinking at the beginning of the movie, whenever they were doing the phone sex line, because it's like this is I I get that the context is supposed to be very heteronormative. But it's a bunch of dudes, like, in a circle, getting all boned up together. It's weird. <laughs> boned up. But I, I do think that that's a product of the time. I think that, like, yeah. back then, like, I don't know, like, I, I, pornographic material was simply not available to young people. Mm-hmm. So if you had something, you would show it to your friends. Or, you know, in this case, if you figured out how to call into the line, yeah, it's like, let everybody know about it. You totally would. You would totally let your friend borrow your porno. Yeah. What you wouldn't do is call five of your friends and be like, hey, guys, but, I've got a porno and a VCR. Let's get it, weird. If you're in an all-boys uh, high school away from your family and your parents, and the only time you can really do anything is when you sneak out of your dorm rooms at night and then, you know, have this whatever phone sex experience and then store that away in the old spank bank for later. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 th- I, I think we're just applying 2020 masturbatory logic to a 1991 film. <laughs> <laughs> I, also find, I also find it weird that it's fantasy by committee. Because every time yeah. she's like, yeah, do you want me to take off my stockings? And they all look at each other and they're like, what do you guys think? Go <laughs> <laughs> stockings on or off. I liked that when they were describing themselves, it felt like they were doing like a, a composite of all of them. <laughs> like, did you know that when she's like, tell me what you look like? And he's like, oh, I'm this height and I have blonde hair and I have black skin. And I'm like, I feel like he's just going around and picking something from each person in the group and applying it to this person they're inventing so none of them have to feel left out which is very uh, it's inclusive i like that <laughs> um i just like that uh apparently this guy's like you know i didn't get i didn't really say enough about the military that i wanted to in this movie so i'm gonna make in the army now with Polly shores my next movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little bit of a tunnel shift <laughs> 
Uh. Um, yeah, like, what were your favorite parts, Brian? Because, again, I, I feel like this is a movie that's right up your alley. <laughs> Uh, it is. I thought the uh, vodka in the mouthwash bottles was hilarious. <laughs> what I loved is they're like, it looks, it smells, and tastes exactly like mouthwash. And you're like, how is that a selling point? <laughs> and why aren't you mixing that with something? <laughs> and I just love that like, he's like, he's like so confident too. Like, oh yeah, smells and tastes just like mouthwash. Louis Gossagier takes a little swig of it. He's like, oh. Yeah, I'm just like, that doesn't taste like mouthwash, I guarantee you. Dude, Louis Gossett Jr. was born to play the role of a headmaster dealing with problematic teenagers. He's perfect. <laughs> and when he's just like, he's like when, when he's making them go around and collect up all of the vodka that they left, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's great. Uh, and he starts complaining, it's like, oh, you're turning me into a rat. And then he convinces him, like... Look, just let me go confiscate all of my own paraphernalia and I will bring it to you. Well, that's one of the fascinating things about this movie, which is just, it's a weird thing to talk about in a movie about terrorism, but in the beginning of the movie, the first little while, like the tension is supposed to be between the adults and these like rebellious teenagers at this prep school, right? Mm -hmm. But they do a wonderful job of making it. So the kids are just likable. They're just, they're doing dumb shit, but they're just being teenagers and it's kind of fun. Yeah. But then the adults aren't like the typical like villains in a movie like this where the, you, they'd be the ones you didn't like. Like when the pranks are happening, you always get that little cutaway moment of like the headmaster and Louis Gossett Jr.'s character being like, okay, don't laugh in front of the students. We both know this is a really funny prank, but our job right now is to be angry at them. Yeah. And it's like, it makes them all very likable. And you're like, it's neat how they're able to have like these two opposing groups, but they're both kind of the good guys in these yeah. moments because they need them to, to kind of come together later against the, uh, the evil Colombian terrorists. Yeah, that is, that is something I was going to bring up the fact that, that I, I was wondering as, as a dad, if you've experienced this so far, where they've done something and it's just like, okay, this is actually pretty fucking solid. But I mean, when they still have to get in trouble, so we can't, oh, we can't let yeah. them know. Oh yeah, that happens. It's routine. Yeah. It's like, so like this week, my like my kid had to get taken out of school already and get sent for COVID testing before he was allowed to go back. And like, technically, we're all isolated for a couple of days. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, so him and I are stuck at home. We're in the backyard, and he just takes to like. Oh, Dad, my toy accidentally went over the fence into my uh, friend's yard. I guess I got to go get it. He starts climbing the fence to go get it. <laughs> and I'm like, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with your thinking of that. <laughs> get the hell off the fence. You're not allowed to leave the yard. You know you're not allowed to leave the yard. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, one of the other things I loved, which unless people have read the trivia, they would not know. But there is a kid named Yogurt in this movie. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is... Is that a Spaceballs reference? It's not. The oh. funny the funny thing is, they were all in the van on the way to set on the first day, and the kid was eating a thing of yogurt, and the van hit like a horrible pothole, and just yogurt <laughs> went all over him. And so everybody started calling him yogurt. <laughs> And the director Dude, apparently was the, movie. the director apparently thought that was hilarious. So he's like, "Guess what? Your character's name is Yogurt from now on." <laughs> so 
you're telling me that the relationship between the adults and the kids on set is the same as the relationship between the adults and the kids in the movie? <laughs> Pretty That's much. even better. Sounds like it. <laughs> oh, that sounds uh, great. Yeah. Oh, uh, did you guys uh, like at the end when uh, I'm just randomly saying shit, by the way? I hope we're not no, supposed it's to fine. Go progression to this guy. At the end know. when like Lewis Gossett Jr. is just like he's been he's a school administrator and all of a sudden he's just like. I can't let these army guys handle this on their own. They'll never make it without me. I better sneak in there with them and save the day. And of course, naturally he does. Like it's, oh, I thought that was hilarious. I'm just like, you can see it coming a mile away. Like, obviously he's going to be like a hero. He's going to be involved in the climax of the film, but you're just like, he's like sneaking in along with these guys. And he's yeah. not, it's not even like in shape, Lewis Gossett Jr. It's 1991. Lewis Gossett Jr. where he's like, <laughs> he looks like a school administrator, somebody who's been doing that for 20 years. Yeah, and I love it. He's just like, well, he's got a map, and he's like, well, here and here is where you're going to want to go, but I should really go with you. <laughs> it's like, nah, the map will be just fine. Just like, because they're, they're like, can you show us one little thing on this map? Totally logical point, because, of course, he's familiar with the school grounds. But then he immediately jumps into, like, if you come along through here, you'll have cover from these bushes. And I was like, you don't fucking know. You're not a military strategist. <laughs> but he's Lewis Gossett Jr., motherfucker. Yeah. <sighs> it's um, funny. Chappy, bitches. I did love that... Uh, the students, of course, took it upon themselves to like, well, we need to get information to the outside. So what we're yep. going to do is we're going to have Will Wheaton sketch all of the bad guys. Yep. Then I love the genius idea of taking the yearbook that has like a panoramic, like overhead shot of the school and yeah. just like marking where all the terrorists like setups are. And then, yeah, like you'd mentioned earlier. Uh, even... Sean Aston happened to run, run out, deliver it, and be like, I need to get back. But then being like, you can't leave. Yeah. I love what I love, though. This movie is smarter than most movies of its era because there's a lot of like the like they set up. OK, there's that one kid that speaks Spanish. So then he's able to figure out the names of and kind of like IDs of all the different terrorists and the other guy like they kind of set it up like yeah he's drawing shit and then later he uses that skill and they got the one guy they flat out call him a leader like 35 times he becomes the guy that organizes everything they got the one kid that's flying the the drone plane they use his detailed knowledge of flying <laughs> uh toy airplanes that somehow that means he can defuse bombs it's a bit of a stretch but at least it's all it's all makes sense and it's all logical and you're like and even just the fact that the kids are their instincts are to gather information and get it to the actual military guys rather than like try to fight them off themselves. Yeah. I like that. The Will Wheaton character when they're like, he's like, we should just, well, fucking there's like four of us. We could take out that one guy and then we'll have a machine gun. Then we can fucking kick ass. And they're like, dude, you'll get yourself killed. Don't fucking do that. That's stupid. And then an hour later in the movie, it's just like, Oh, he's trying that. And he's dead. All right, perfect. Yes. They, were, they were right all along. They never should have tried that. Don't don't you kind of wish he would have at least taken that guy out? Just the one. Like, Just one terrorist, yeah. That's what I right. thought was happening yeah. in the moment. And I'm like, yeah, I, I agree. He should have gotten one. It's Will Wheaton. Let him have a kill, for God's sakes. It's the toughest he's ever looked on film. <laughs> he got to have an earring. <laughs> He wore a black hoodie over his fucking tie-dye t-shirt for some reason. <laughs> you remember You remember whatever he was like, fuck you, Star Trek, I'm going to be super famous. 
and it's like, <laughs> that's a bad decision, Will we? Well, he gets to cameo as himself and all sorts of things now. So, Was that really his call, though? I don't know. Well, does anybody know? I don't know. I don't, I'm not up to date on my uh, behind-the-scenes Next Generation uh I don't, I don't even know how it, uh, now that you're bringing it up I don't know how he got off the show did they like just drop him off somewhere one time or did they kill off the character I, don't, I doubt they killed off the teenage character in Star Trek so he was he was notoriously a dick mm-hmm. because he got like a little bit of fame and all of a sudden thought he was this great fucking thing mm-hmm. and yeah. apparently he treated his fans and stuff really really badly it eventually everybody just got sick of him and they wrote him off the show. Yeah. Must be honest, most Star Trek fans deserve to be held treated really badly, so hey. <laughs> uh one of the funniest Will Wheaton stories I ever heard, because him and Chris Hardwick were like super good friends. And it was before I started thinking of Chris Hardwick as a really horrible person. Um but apparently like when they would go out somewhere uh, Chris Hardwick would go and just pump like $10 into the jukebox and just play Stand By Me on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and so then when it would come on and just start playing over and over, everybody would just notice Will Wheaton was in the bar and he'd be like, God damn it, we got to go. It's pretty funny. <sighs> um, I don't know. Any other favorite parts? I mean, Sean Astin's mullet, I think, deserves a, a, a mention. That is a serious mullet. What, so what was feathery. More, what was more 1991 about this movie, the mullet or those ripped up jeans with the tucked in t-shirt <laughs> that he insisted on wearing the entire time? Uh, with no sleeves, too. That's how we knew he was a bad boy. Yeah. That was, the, war, the wardrobe, accurate to the period, but man, everything got a lot better about one year later when grunge took over and everyone just started wearing flannel shirts instead of the ridiculous <laughs> shit they were wearing in this. I just, I'll, I'll never endingly find it interesting that somehow at some point, somebody thought that's the way a tough guy dresses. And I'm like, <laughs> are you sure? Cause I'm the only thing that that haircut and outfit say to me is he's very likely to fuck a cousin. Like that's a cousin. <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, but he'd call the cousin on the phone first and have his other cousins hang out while he talked dirty to her, so. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, did you guys laugh out loud when that terrorist guy finally hit the button on his wristband and we got the payoff where he hits the button and the plane takes off instead of the bombs going off? <laughs> takes yeah, off and then just flies into the ceiling. I love that moment and the look on his face like that actor you mentioned his name earlier I'm like it, the look on his yeah. face when he's like what the fuck did I what is going on <laughs> you can just call him Wishmaster everybody know who you're talking about yeah, um, yeah that was that was, uh, that was a real fun moment and they set it up and they let it last forever and then they had to like write in and how he's gonna blow with the bombs a different way so they could have their actual climax that was all just for the joke yeah <laughs> Like, but if he tears out these wires, the bombs will go off anyway. So, Gus Jr., do your the, thing. The interesting thing is that he reaches for the wires to kill himself and everyone else, and they burst through the door, and he pulls it's, away from the wires to defend himself Yeah. instead of pulling the wires to kill himself, Like, which is what he was doing in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you're asking too so, much of this movie. So, just, what, so what you're saying, saying is everything really like weird character moment. <laughs> it's it's the, it's the classic like I'm willing to die and take everyone with me, but the minute you point a gun at me, somehow I still <laughs> feel intimidated. But even though I've already decided I'm going to die, plus we needed that moment for uh, Louis Gossett Jr. to bust through the window. Yeah, he comes flying through that window too. <laughs> Oh, so that was a fun moment. You guys have were there any like weird subplots that you guys enjoyed? Like I, I definitely enjoyed the fact that like the mafia got involved and like murdered the guy that the terrorists were trying to save in prison after Will Wheaton's character got killed. Like that's a fun twist. I did not know the mafia was gonna play a role in this movie at all. Yeah, I was trying to remember what they did, but yeah, now that you mentioned yeah, they they were trying to free that guy out of jail and then yeah, someone shivved him and just threw him over. Over the ring, like, that was slit his fucking throat. That was another one of those like, oh, this is a rated R movie. I think maybe because of what just happened in this scene, <laughs> we're just like we're gonna go into this prison. There'll be a riot. We'll watch this old man get his throat slit and tossed off a balcony, and we're back to the kids at school. Yeah, <laughs> see how they're. I did kind of love it though because then that's like, well, that was like the only thing that was gonna like free everybody. So now yeah. they're pretty much fucked. Well, and, and getting back to what I was saying about this movie being, like, smarter than it has any right to be, it's like, we knew the movie was going to end with the military raiding the school and the kids helping out. You knew that, like, from the cover art, pretty much, right? Like, you're not, it, it wasn't surprising. But they actually found a way to make it make sense, where the military was like, well, we're going to go in if we have to, and we have this plan, but uh, kids can get killed if we do it that way, so let's see if we can find another way around it. And then all of a sudden, with this mafia subplot, we're like, oh, okay, flat out, they have no choice now. Like, we're fucked. Like, we, this guy, there's no negotiating with this guy if he finds out that his dad died. We have to go in now, and we have to make this all work now. And you're like, that actually makes sense compared to, like, you know, just some weird scene where the John Wayne in the movie has to insist that the uh, the tough guy thing to do is go in. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bit... I'm a big fan of the moment of, you know, you have the press secretary come out and do the, man, this is America and we don't negotiate with terrorists. And then immediately everybody's like, we need to negotiate with these fucking terrorists. Like, we've got a school full of children. <laughs> your your principles are going to look real fucking stupid when you got a giant pile of dead children. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's I think it's pretty typical the way they handle it actually in this movie and in the next one where it is like we're gonna keep making you little promises but not actually give in to anything that you want see if we can't trick you into giving up which just seems to be what they do right mm. um i was gonna bring something up i completely forgot what it was yeah i don't know someone else keep going uh, um i think that's all i got to say on this one like i, I really enjoyed watching this movie like i say it, yeah it was definitely like if the Goonies grew up just enough to still be fun, dumb kids, but you know, go away to school somewhere. I almost mm. wondered if this had how a movie like this gets conceived is like, are they, can we get all the Goonies back together and put them in a, like a college or something? And it's like, ah, we can't make it work, but we can kind of do it. This similar, similar style. <laughs> yeah. We got the one guy. That's enough, right? Yeah. Oh, I was, I was going to bring up that, uh, fucking sheriff. He's an idiot. Yeah. And he shows up because there's like a gate to the school and basically 
they have terrorists mounted on the roof with like these badass machine guns. So if you even walk within the gate, they'll fucking just unload on you. Yeah. And the sheriff's great idea is standing right outside the gate, which is a uh, just like bar, like a bar fence around the around the compound, so you can easily see through it. Tells two of his cops, like, grab your shotguns and get down to my the back of my car. And then drives in going, hey, I'm all by myself. I'm not armed. And it's like, motherfucker, they just saw you right outside the gate. So, of course, they just fucking unload on this car. Yeah, that was a sort of pointless little thing that was just kind of like, man, nothing's been blown up in a while. Let's Let's blow something up. <laughs> That's how I took that scene to be. Oh, and totally, uh, uh, hey, nobody's going to listen to Louis Casa Jr. because he's not a cop or in the military, so yeah. we need to show how that's going to blow up in everybody's face. But he also just threatened the cop. Louis Casa Jr. did the scene before where it's like, if you have my students arrested for spray painting your police car, then I'll report your uh, uncle for selling my students alcohol. So <laughs> want to just let both things go? Like, that's great. I love that moment. <laughs> Even though it's like, it's horrible that you've got a school administrator threatening a police officer to avoid his students being arrested when they clearly committed a crime. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well, this toy soldier is high recommend for me. Yeah, me uh, too. I'm, I'm really happy with how well this movie held up because I liked it when it was new and I have not seen it in a long time. I was a little nervous, but yeah. Um, I was going through Voodoo and actually found that it was on sale this week in one of those, like, you can buy two movies for 10 bucks. so I got it for $5. Oh, and that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy. It's part of my collection. Uh, all right. Well, we teamed this up with a movie called Hostage High. Doug, do you want to tell that's us about... All, that's not all. First of all, it's not just called Hostage High. It's, no. it's got lots of names. Yeah. Do, do, you want to, do you want to tell us some of the names and what the movie's about? Uh, it's, one of the names is like Detention, the Siege of Johnson High. One of them is like something Target. Target for Rage? Target for Rage? Yeah, that's what it was on. Target for Rage. It's a dumb name. That, yeah. Target for Rage sounds like a shitty, shitty PSA video that they would force you to watch in like seventh grade. Yeah, and de- detention in the siege of Johnson High sounds like a 1997 made-for-TV movie about a real-life event, which is That's true. This is. <laughs> that must be the title that they came up with at like ABC or whichever one made this. Um, but the plot is even more simple than the last one. It's it's a a guy who failed out of high school and is very bitter about it several years later I think they say he's 24 years old and uh, he's played by Silver Spoons and so he (laughs) storms in and he's going to go kill the teacher that that got him that failed him and he ends up taking a bunch of the students hostage so the police department brings in their uh, only trained negotiator which is Fonzie and he has to try and uh, (laughs) talk him down and uh, he, uh, I know what you did last uh, Scooby-Doo movie guy has to be the intermediary between the three <laughs> um, and that's I mean that's it the whole the vast majority of this movie is people going back and forth like 
on the phone and stuff. It's there's a, a big opening kind of gun scene early on where it, you know we, we see like 45 people get shot and we later find out that only four of them died and 10 were injured. Um, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> but that's I, mean, the, I would say 80% of the runtime of this movie is all the characters are in two rooms. Some are locked in this one classroom and the rest are in this I don't know what I don't, I don't even say where they are. We don't even see them go in or out of the room. So they're but it's all the cops together somewhere on the phone doing the negotiating and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the sort of the the plot line is I guess that Fonzie was kind of a laughing stock of a police officer and that's why they sent him off on these ridiculous training that nobody else would go on, but then he ends up saving the day. Him working really, Freddie Prince Jr.'s character gets really involved in the negotiations too. For like a <laughs> high school student who's currently a hostage, <laughs> he gets very active in the uh, in the thing, and he's it's very entertaining to me to watch him like manipulating the shooter guy and tricking people and stuff. But, uh, that's yeah, that's it. The funny thing is, for how bad the description of this movie sounds. That it's you know a made-for-TV movie that is mm-hmm. <laughs> mostly about people sitting around talking over a phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I, I mean, it was a solid. It's a solid story. Henry Winkler's got so much personality that you kind of like get drawn into his whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and I'll take it. I'll take everything you say is correct, and I'll add fucking Rick Schroeder. He was not Ricky Schroeder in the 90s. If anyone remembers, it was very important that you <laughs> called him Rick. He's really solid in this movie. Like, the the three yeah. main actors are all, I think, very, very good in this movie. And then everyone else is a made-for-TV movie actor, and it's a real drop-off after those top three. <laughs> but those top three, I think, all give solid performances. And that's key to this, because you, it's a lot of, like watching this Rick Schroeder character like kind of break down and he's clearly he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't even know how to have these conversations and he like his at one point he's just like he's freaking out because he doesn't know what toppings to get on the pizzas that they're demanding because one of the high school students said that in the movies they always get pizza if you're taken hostage so he's trying to get the cops to buy him pizza <laughs> and it's I, I think it's really solid I I read some uh, news articles and stuff about this particular school shooting. Yeah. Because I don't, I honestly don't recall it because uh, we live in America. So there's, there's a few. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although this one was kind of a school shooting back before they, they were in vogue. You know, now we have a school shooting every day. Yeah. It's two years Uh, before Columbine. Yeah. Right. I, I'm well, almost the, wondering if this the real event this happened movie, in '92, right? So it's right. even further back. Than oh the yeah, one. yeah. Sorry, the movie was '97. I, I was gonna say I'm almost worried that this movie may have inspired school shootings, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I I liked it, and I feel like they did this right, and somehow over time, now you know the American media and stuff, we've twisted what school shootings are to this point of demonizing everyone involved and all that kind of stuff. But this one, I mean, they make it pretty clear. So yeah, he's a bad dude and he, and he killed a bunch of people, but he's also just, I mean, kind of dumb and mentally ill 
clearly, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, even Henry Winkler's character kind of comes to that by the end of it, that he's like, oh, my God, we just need to get this dude out of this building because he's he's yeah. just fucked up and sad. Like, yeah, by the end of it, Rick, Ricky Schroeder's character says, like, yeah, I just, you know, they say they're going to get get him some counseling or whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I need is counseling. So even yeah. he gets to the point that it's like, yeah. Obviously, I'm completely fucked up, but maybe I need help figuring out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, it's uh, and that's a lot of that is due to his performance, where it is just like you, you almost feel bad for him in a lot of moments because he's so stupid that he doesn't know, doesn't understand how he got himself into this situation. Even though everything is his fault, like it's like you're you failed fucking high school geography or something, so you go take it. They told you to go take it at night school, but. Instead, you decided to go back years later and take over the school. It's like, that doesn't make sense. That's illogical, and you shouldn't have done that. It's all 100% your fault, but you still kind of feel bad for him because you're like, he's just, he's too dumb to fix this situation. Mm. He's almost too dumb to have not ended up in this situation, if that's possible. Yeah, the sort of production quality of this movie is not super great. It is a made-for-TV movie, so it's not yeah. surprising. I don't know how- but, I don't know what the copies you guys watched of it were, but I actually had like, it was like wavy, like as if this was a VHS rip at times. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it on Tubi. It was a little, I had that a couple times. Um, but I feel like the, uh, the tension in it was really good. I honestly like was kind of tense throughout most of sort of his interaction after all the kids were holed up in that one room, not knowing if he was going to flip out or kind of what was going on. And Heron Winkler, I think, is, like, the perfect guy for that role. As yeah. much as, like, maybe at first some people would be like, he's a, he's a cop? Oh, God, this guy. And they even play it up that way. Like, he, yeah, he's kind of a joke on the police force. Like, everybody gives him all the shit jobs and think he's terrible. But when he's, like, on the phone doing the negotiation... It's like, well, of course, that's exactly the guy you would want on the other end where he's trying to keep stuff positive, trying to keep stuff going, trying to be like, you know, yeah. calm and everything. And yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah. It, and you, I, with him, too, I think you feel like you see his character gain confidence throughout the movie, whereas it's like mm-hmm. in the first couple of phone calls, he's like stumbling over his own words and everything. And by the end of it, he's like, like, there's that one moment where he like he's convincing him to let some hostages go. And he just keeps finding ways throughout the conversation to make the number of people that are going to be let go get higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at the end, he ends up getting like half the students out or something. And it's like, that was really clever. And you can see that he has now the confidence to do those things and to use the training that he's had mm-hmm. and where he would not have at the beginning of the movie, even though it's all taking place over the course of like a day. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I mean, it was after the first call, like... The FBI guy actually showed up and he's like, oh, yeah, here, fucking take it. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, shit breaks down and he becomes the only one that Rick Schroeder will talk to. So then he's like, fuck, I got to go back in and figure all this shit out. Yeah. I, I, I was really surprised. Like, when I put this movie on the list, it was just to team it up because... I want to do two movies where the schools got taken over. And because um, you forgot that masterminds exist. I don't know that I've yeah. seen masterminds. It's Patrick, Patrick Stewart, right? I've never seen it again, yeah. but I know what it is. Patrick, yeah. Patrick Stewart and uh, 
I was thinking Edward Furlong was in it for some reason, but I don't think that's right. I, I think know. it's the we'll never it's know. like the other Home Alone kid, the, <laughs> the random one from Home Alone Three. Oh, Vincent uh, Carthy, sir, or Carth, whatever. Um, he was on Mad Men. Uh, he was Angel's son on Angel. If anybody watched the Buffy TV shows, okay, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, I never saw it, but I remember when it came out. So it's basically toy soldiers, but more comedy. Mm. Okay. A little over the top. Yeah. Trapped in a school in which a gang of criminals has seized control, a young troublemaker fights a cat and mouse battle from inside. Oh, maybe we'll get that to the list one day, too, because this, this week worked out really well with the movies we actually watched. And yeah. I'm I'm super glad, like, this one here, I, I just picked it to fit the theme and I honestly kind of expected it to be terrible and I thought it'd be funny. Blew up um, in your face didn't it? it? It really did because I'm really genuinely like I'm really genuinely enjoyed this movie and I did not anticipate that happening at all. Mm-hmm. Oh and I was saying so I read those articles about about this shooting and one of the interesting things is some of the things that happen in the story that you think are like the, the shit that, you know, they jazzed up for the movie or the true bits, which I thought always interesting when that happens. Right. Like, uh, when the, it wasn't his actual name, but the, um, the, the black kid who pushes the girl out of the way and gets shot. Yeah. That, that did happen. That exact thing where he walked, he walked through a door, pointed a gun at this girl and the other guy stepped in the way and got shot in the head. That's, I mean, that's unfortunate, but that did feel like a very movie moment. I see what you're saying. Right, right. It seemed like something that was made up. I wonder if the part where the Ricky Schroeder character had to be explained to him that if he ordered pizza, he wouldn't have to pay for it. <laughs> I wonder if that part was real, because <laughs> I, I liked that part. Well, if I understand correctly, some of that was true, too, that there was a student who kind of was helping get people out over and over again. Yeah. Um. I read a little bit too. It doesn't sound like I read as much as you, but yeah, I basically the basics of the story are correct, is from what I understand. Now, it's, and the movie actually has a disclaimer where they say, yeah, like there are composite characters and dramatizations and things that go on. But at the end of the day, it was it, it's weird because it's like okay, it was at a time before school shootings were considered a norm, but it was also at a time where apparently they knew how to handle them. Because somebody figured out how to get most of those people out of there alive after the initial couple of minutes. It's funny how some things, too, I appreciate for them being more realistic in this movie. And then there's other things that I wish they just had been less realistic. Like the two popular kids that are fucking being douchebags even after people are dead and everybody's in this horrible situation. And they're still like, no, this is about me. Yeah, and I was angry because I was like, "God damn it!" There really would be those people in there. It makes me angry. (laughs) Yeah, high school kids, man. (laughs) Should we uh, mention uh, old Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, who, for some reason, seems like apparently he's super smart, but he is still about to not graduate because his grades are terrible. Because he won't do his homework. But for some yeah. reason, he starts to thrive when he's like in this situation where he has to think on his feet. It is sort of the 
go-between between the cops and uh, old Rick Schroeder and uh, comes up with his some of his own sort of schemes in order to help the situation out. Yeah, but, that's, that character was clearly a... I'm assuming a lot of that was just added for the movie because it was just so typical of like the the teenager who's like super smart but just doesn't care and then they're like but look now that you've been through this you will care it's almost like there's could be a follow-up to this that uh where he just does really well in school now because he knows that he can save lives in a terrorist situation which is what makes you do well in school apparently (laughs) sure if there was like a, a crawl at the end, it would have said like, "Oh, this guy went on to graduate with honors and got into college." <laughs> yeah, somehow, <laughs> within the last two months of school, figured out a way to become valedictory. Yeah, I assume you get a little bit grade bump if you go through a hostage situation in school. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> Got to go easier on you after that, right? Sorry, Becky, you were you were gonna be valedictorian, but. This guy went through a hostage situation at the school, so we got to bump his grade up. There might be a slight uh, casting issue here because Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, you know, he's supposed to be this smart but uh, unengaged kid. Mm-hmm. And fuck, he comes off as dumb all the <laughs> fucking time. He's, he comes, I'm just saying, like, I don't, it's something about his performance. He comes off as just this slacked faced dummy like I don't know <laughs> maybe he's playing it more mentally handicapped than he is just dumb something something like that where they're like you're super brilliant and then you've got him and they're like maybe we should get pizzas <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean you're like what the fuck that's the super smart kid uh, nowadays he probably would play him autistic just to give him that extra depth I, I feel like I, I feel like that's just what Freddie Prince Jr. is. Just, you know, <laughs> we're able to just use his natural talents. I was gonna say he was making a made-for-TV movie. Maybe he was just all doped up. <laughs> you think Freddie Prince Jr. had dope money back then? Come on, yeah, mm-hmm. it's the early '90s. Everyone was doing heroin. Yeah, you couldn't afford it, though. I know what you did last summer. I hadn't come out. You know, you guys noticed what I uh, what I picked up on with the casting issue was just that um, if you're gonna go with this cast, maybe don't have a scene where Freddie Prince Jr. and Fonzie stand beside each other because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a three foot height difference. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just nobody like wants to uh, nobody wants to get Fonzie an apple box or anything to stand on. No, yeah. and then the. They're like they're hugging, and it just looks so. Two characters would hug after everything they've been through. Edit that out. It looks ridiculous. It's just funny looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Anything else about hostage high, AK, all that other shit that we said? Yeah, all those other. No, it's it's a it's a solid recommend for me. I think mm-hmm. it's a good drama film about hostage taking. I think, like I say. I would say three quality performances, two, two that stand out above everything else, both Ricky Schroeder and uh, Henry Winkler, which I'm, I did not know either of those guys were in this going into it because, for whatever reason, I guess when this was released on DVD, Freddie Prince Jr. was the biggest star of the three, so he's the name that they used to market it. But it's 
those those two are both very good, and they carry this movie. And it, I'm genuinely surprised that I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I'd say so. I I in general found find the idea of school shooting movies to be repugnant, in especially ones based off of true stories. <laughs> but I will say, out of in the last maybe like. 10 years I've seen two that I really really enjoyed and this was one of them uh, and I guess I would agree this is way better than it should have been and it's uh, it's on Tubi so you can watch it for free yep. yes, and sure if you're wanting to follow it up with more school shooting movies <laughs> I would also recommend I think it's called An American Terror oh yeah which is I, I mean it, it don't don't get this twisted. It is a horror movie with some crazy shit in it, but it revolves around a school shooting. Yep. And American Terror is a drunken zombie film festival alum. Yeah. It's uh it's dope. Somebody's somebody's yeah. rib cage gets ripped out of their body with a chain. Yeah. It's pretty it's fucking That'll awesome. sound fun. I'll look into that one. Yeah, American Terror, it's like three kids who decide they're going to do a school shooting. And they realize this guy that owns the local junkyard has one of those, like, you'll never take my guns, like, bumper sticker. So they decide, oh, he's got guns. We should go steal his guns, and then we can do our school shooting. Only when they sneak into his junkyard, they find a weird torture basement and all get caught down there. And then a bunch of weird shit happens. So. That sounds fun. That really sounds fun. Yeah, it seems like they're just going to torture guys that do school shootings, which means like you don't have to feel bad about them getting tortured. So pretty- well, there's more to it than that. So yeah. it starts. It starts with school shooting. It goes into weird horror movie, and then it kind of ends with a school shooting. So <laughs> nice. So, yeah. There was a whole spat of this in the in the 2000s. There was a lot of school shooting movies. Some of them were better than others. Some of them were more dramatic than others. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey guys, this is Eric in Ann Arbor. Uh, It's been a while since you heard from me. Sorry about that. I didn't realize how long it's been. Um, I have no real good excuse. I'm still listening to the show. It's just uh, 2020 has been a... A little weird, if you know what I mean. Uh, Anyway, uh, a couple episodes ago, you were talking about uh, horrible television series endings and great television series endings. I just wanted to follow up with a couple of great television series endings in case for some chance you didn't catch these. Um, One is Six Feet Under, a HBO show about a family, a dysfunctional family that runs a mortuary as a family business. Uh, Good drama. Uh, and the series finale will have you uh, blubbering like a baby unless you're a robot. Um, so yeah, that one's great. Um, and then I just rewatched this recently FX show called The Shield, um, starring Michael Chiklis and Walton Goggins. Uh, if you haven't seen that, you should definitely check it out. 
Um, cause you guys are talking about breaking bad. I'm pretty sure without the shield breaking bad doesn't happen. So, uh, check out the shield if you haven't already. Uh, it also seems like you guys are uh, getting low on your list these days. Um, so I have a suggested pairing for you. Uh, if you'd like to take it, uh, please do so. Uh, you could do a Tyler Labine week uh, and pair up with the movie Evil Alien Conquerors uh, with Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I think that would be a good time. So anyway, I'm still listening. Keep up the great work, guys. Talk to you later. Uh, so as you just heard, uh, our good buddy Eric gave us some uh, feedback. First feedback we've had in forever. That's weird. I was like, we get feedback on this show? I didn't know that. Uh, he was responding to the conversation we had about good and bad television endings a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, really dropped the ball there, though, because he recommended... Uh, recommended two that I have nothing to say about because I've never seen either of those shows not a single episode of Six Feet Under or The Shield I think I've seen about three episodes of The Shield and I actually wasn't a big fan Uh, well I've never seen Six Feet Under but it is one of those that I've heard talked about a lot I just have never watched it and I absolutely loved The Shield so I would highly recommend The Shield if you get a chance of course now it's an early Michael uh, sorry I was going to say it's an early 2000s show, so, I mean, you just have to sort of update your, uh, everybody uses flip phones and whatever else, but, yeah, I really liked it. Okay. That's, I I like Michael Chiklis, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not bothered by the idea of watching it, I've just never seen it. It's, isn't it one that has like 25 seasons or something, too? Uh, six seasons. Six. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. It was a basic cable show, so I think they're mostly like 13, 14 episodes a piece, so. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to lie and say that I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to watch that, but then I'll never watch it, so. Uh, it's a very gritty and very dark police show. I feel yeah. like. I feel like what everybody promised the NYPD was NYPD Blue was going to be, the Shield actually okay. is. So they really, they really uh, push the envelope on violence and uh, language, and even some nudity for basic cable. Okay. So that sounds. I'm uh, I'm getting more and more sold on this show because I've heard like good things about it over the years. I've heard it compared to The Wire, which I really liked. Uh, probably still never going to get around to watching six seasons of anything, but yeah. we'll see. Yep, so I would recommend, I would I would back up Eric's assertion that uh, The Shield uh, is definitely has, and has a pretty decent ending to it. Um, and he said that without The Shield, we probably wouldn't have had Breaking Bad, because it kind of set the stage for that kind of storytelling. And uh, I would tend to agree with them. So, yeah, recommend for me. Uh, all right, what did everybody watch since last week? What did you watch, Noah? Uh, I finished up Cobra Kai. Oh, Cobra yeah. Kai. Still haven't watched it. Uh, Still haven't started it. Holy, holy fuck. <laughs> that ending, eh? Oh, yeah. That's. I was not, I was not prepared for that at all. <laughs> Wait, I think we should keep it spoiler free for Brian. Yeah, I would say yeah, spoiler free. It's, it's 
it takes it, a hard turn. It's it's what happens, but it's also how it happens that I found shocking. I'm like, oh, well, that's not good. They they made that positive message get that thing to happen. Oh no! It was like, <laughs> right. Th- I thought when he learned that lesson, it was going to have positive results, but it doesn't seem to have. Right. Uh, so. It bears mentioning there's an episode where Johnny is getting signed up for a dating app service. Yep. And it leads to one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard in my entire life. Just where where they're like, where, where they go, what are your likes? And he goes, what is it? Babes, metal, and Iron Eagle. <laughs> and he goes, that's it? Just... Just three things, and he goes, an Iron Eagle too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking love that moment. I just, I cannot, when, the first time they showed Iron Eagle in that show, I was like laughing. But the fact that that's become this recurring fucking thing in the show is is just almost too much. Just Johnny watching Iron Eagle over and over and over and over again. I just... Because it's so, it's perfect too. Because first of all, like Iron Eagles is such an '80s movie that it's like, okay, yeah, that kid that thinks the '80s are the best is going to watch that. But then it's also an '80s thing to just keep watching the same movie over and over again because he doesn't even have the internet, so he doesn't know that there's just a billion movies that you just push a button and watch. Like, right? It's it's very funny. It's very well done. I think Noah's coming around on this Iron Eagle thing. <laughs> I, I still don't like Iron Eagle, but using Iron Eagle as a point of reference is genius. I know, just because everything they do such a good job of without, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this wrong because it's not what I mean, but without doing it overtly, they do a very very good job of showing how stuck in the '80s. Johnny is. Yeah, it's everything from the way he dresses to like the way he talks, and then right. it's very I mean, funny drinks, to watch him. He drinks Coors Banquet beer, which was only like popular in the eighties. It's hilarious. Like it's they do they do an excellent job. It's it's almost weird, and then it's funny. You get a lot of humor out of him trying to update himself. Like that dating app episode when he's like finally goes out and starts meeting women, and he's like so awkward at all of the things because he doesn't know how to talk to anybody in modern terms that one remember the one the one girl checked her uh, email on her smartwatch and he's like smartwatch smartphone he's like super proud of himself <laughs> yeah smartphone take a nap <laughs> and it's like are you really trying to brag about having a smartphone in 2019 or whatever whatever that's supposed to be set yeah I do like the fact that like the the few dates that he has are just really fucking funny of just how how unprepared he is for dealing with women in the modern age. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. I I really hope that they come back and I hope that they know how this story ends and that they just make the rest of it and end it if that if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm worried that the popularity of this is going to make it drag out and then it's going to get less good. I would rather have three or four seasons of a really good show and just be done with it. Yeah, I I, I don't know how much they plan to this. 
because with the switch over to Netflix, you'd think that there's going to be the potential there for a long run, and that's great if they can keep up the good storytelling. We'll see how that goes. Though. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of think I know where the show's going, and I hope, I kind of hope that's the way it ends up, and that it ties up that way. But I don't know. Oh, we'll see. Because I think it's, it's, I think it's setting up where this, this isn't a spoiler because this is me predicting the future. But I think what's going to end up happening is Daniel is going to kind of teach uh, Johnny some Miyagi-Do and Johnny's going to teach Daniel some Cobra Kai stuff. And then Johnny's going to be the daytime teacher while Daniel teaches at night so that he can, you know, the whole balance thing. So he's going to get his shit together by having Johnny step in and help him. If that makes sense. That's yeah, it's not crazy. I kind of hope that's the way the show ends, because that would be a good ending to that story. Yeah, I mean, but I never get what I want, so instead their... someone's going to die. <laughs> yeah, you just condemned one of those characters to death by expressing that. <laughs> right, right. This, this show's going to fucking end with fucking Daniel being killed in a school shooting. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> You just fucked the karate get up forever. <sighs> I don't I don't have any response to that. Now I want it to end with Daniel tagging a school shooting. <laughs> uh I'm, have you guys seen the meme on Facebook that uh what's I guess it's not really a meme, but that in Nightmare on Elm Street two you can see Daniel's locker from Karate Kid. Because they yeah. were shot at the same school. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Note to self: secret sequel, <laughs> Annual versus Freddy. <laughs> well, they kind of had that in part four. Kind of, not quite. <laughs> uh, and fuck, I think that's it. I, I, I fucking, I've been so busy with all this crazy shit. What'd you watch, Doug? Uh, a couple things here. Uh. I watched the uh, the babysitter sequel, whatever it's called, the babysitter killer queen. I how the fuck did they sneak that out without me knowing about it? Because you're not because you're not on Facebook anymore. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe been, it's that's... been all over all over Netflix, or Facebook. Yeah, I was going through Facebook and all of a sudden, like eight things popped up that I wanted to see, and I was like, "Oh shit, look at all these!" And then I was like, "Oh, they made a sequel. I fucking loved that movie." <laughs> Going through Facebook. Are you back on Facebook? On Facebook, Netflix. Oh, Netflix. That's how we had a scoop. Yeah. So was it well, good? It's it's pretty good. It's um, it's set two years after the first movie, and nobody believes the uh, the kid that survived the first movie. So everyone thinks he's nuts because he keeps saying all this stuff happened. And then wouldn't you know it? With all the bad luck, the demons from the first movie all come back. And it's implied that they can come back like every two years, so it's very plausible that this is just going to be a new movie every two years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're chasing the guy around. A couple of fun little plot twists. Um, kind of a big twist at the end that I enjoyed, or like we find out stuff about one of the other characters. Um, just yeah, just a big dumb fun movie. It was, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but in two years, if another sequel comes out, I'll definitely be lined up for that, if that makes any sense. 
It's I don't like remember. A, I don't remember if I liked the first one or not. For some reason, I, I think I, I was, don't know how you, you couldn't have liked it. Well, I think I was kind of excited for it, and then it was not the movie I thought it was going to be. So then, but then I don't know if I'm uh, remembering that or that movie was a better watch out. Yeah, you were super disappointed in Better Watch Out. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was going to say, The Babysitter was basically what Better Watch Out should have been. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's the kind of movie where, like, the repeating joke is that every time somebody gets killed, the person standing beside them has a, just a bucket of fake blood thrown at their face. <laughs> it's like, well, that's always fun. I don't know how you're not going to enjoy that. So, I I don't know. I, it's hard to discuss the movie because it's like, what do you say about it? It's full of these, like, super awkward coincidences, but you just don't care because it's a stupid comedy kind of thing. And there, there's the running joke about how the the main kid's dad keeps trying to sneak over to, like, the main girl's dad's house so that he can smoke pot with him. He keeps getting in trouble from his wife. <laughs> That's pretty fun, you know. Um, I'd recommend, yeah, if you like the first one, I'd definitely recommend the second one. If you hated the first one then probably not because they're they're very similar movies um they just not all set at like kind of the one house throughout all out of the lake this time so does that change anything um yeah the next thing i watched was upgrade from 2018 which i believe at least one of you guys has recommended to me in the past uh, seems right. I mean, I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a, I, I described it in my own brain as kind of John Wick meets the Terminator. Is Noah shoveling the room he's in? Yeah, he's decided. Char's, Char's cleaning the litter box. Oh, gotcha. Okay. We'll allow Sorry. it. Yell at her. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's basically, um, yeah, basically it's this guy gets a bunch of cyborg parts so he can take revenge on the people who killed his wife, and then he takes revenge in very entertaining ways by slapping the shit out of them. Then, of course, um, I'm twist ending that I won't bother to spoil for people who haven't seen the movie because you're not really watching a movie like this for the plot, but you, you have to stick in just enough to keep it going. It's really just all about watching this guy kill these dudes in cool and inventive ways while his him and his robot have these internal conversations because the robot is sentient and living in him, basically. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, you know, for, for what it is, it was really fun to watch. Um, I don't know. Did you, did you, you liked it, Brian? Um, I thought it was okay. I felt like it was just missing something. But I'm not sure what that something was. Um, okay. I think I expected a little bit more action from it. But the action I did get was good, so... Yeah. I, I liked the, the world it was set in. It's sort of this like weird, like, it kind of in the near future kind of story where it's like there's a lot more technology going on. And we see these certain characters, like these certain criminals that have like guns embedded in their arms so that you can't ever take it away from them and Mm -hmm. the police are using these cool drones to track everything and stuff like that and cars are self-driving and one of the kind of plot points is that the main character actually fixes up and 
uses like real cars and it's like that's all that stuff I thought was pretty fun I like that world building mm-hmm. uh, but then yeah you're mostly in it just to watch the fight scenes and every time one pops up it's pretty awesome so so yeah. uh, this seems to be the new they're back to making these movies pretty well right now which is just the simple plot little action movie a lot of hand to hand combat you know like John Wick and this and a few others someone had told me Upgrade was uh, kind of the good version of Venom so that's why I ended up watching it cause, yeah that's what I heard yeah. too but I still haven't watched Venom so yeah well in in the lost episode from last week that will never be out it's I've, mm. I referenced that I, I watched the first half hour of Venom <laughs> and to answer your burning question no I did not go back and finish Venom this week no, so no, no. that probably means I'm never going to at this point it's gone forever just, it's just a big pile of like meh yeah it's not it's not bad it's just not good like not 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 good in any meaningful sense you know what i mean it doesn't get you going like woo yeah fuck yeah but then that like that first half hour of venom that i actually watched there was also like no action going on it was all just tom hardy walking around being sad and i'm just like i don't what the fuck like this is so very very mediocre and it's not worth my time and we're way too far into it to uh, we're way too far into it for me to have not seen the fucking symbiote merge with this guy yet unless they're going to make him an interesting character which I don't think they were even trying to do so anyways not giving me any hope for ever watching Venom no, no I, I I feel bad not recommending a movie that I haven't actually seen all the way through but I don't recommend Venom um yeah, so two times, two times they've ruined the symbiote. Yeah, well, I will say the portrayal of it in once it was Venom wasn't too bad in Spider-Man Three. Yeah. It's just the lead, the lead up with the emote hair and the dancing and shit was pretty bad. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's so frustrating because why not just just make a deal just sign that shit over and let them do Venom in the MCU you can imagine how cool that could be yeah yeah it'd be awesome but we're not gonna get it damn it I don't know I don't know where to go from there anymore so what'd you watch after Upgrade oh right that part (laughs) um yeah so I watched a 2010 Canadian movie called If a Tree Falls which sounds very Canadian. Yeah. It's basically like kind of like a last house on the left type setup. Um, basically just like a group of people go camping and then they get attacked and killed and shit. And the setup of the movie is we see people that are the previous group of campers get attacked and killed. And then the finale of the movie is the next group of campers showing up to get attacked and killed. And that's basically all we see. There's no plot to this whatsoever. Um, real kind of seventies grindhouse type movie, but made in 2010 for about, I think the budget was also 2010. I think it was $2,010 budget. So, uh, so terrible acting, atrocious production value on almost every level but some of the like grindhousey violence was actually done quite well so if you're into that sort of thing you might want to check this one out um just be prepared to sit through some 
real rough dialogue in in the little lead up moments. And it's like it is just literally a group of four people driving. And they stop at the beach for a while and then they drive again and they pull over to camp and then they get killed. That's what the movie's about. So fast forward through those driving parts maybe it's on 2b so you can just kind of fast forward through watch it for free imagine you have to stop at the ads you will let you fast forward through those but yeah i mean lots of yeah uh, there's nothing else to say about it you're either like that sort of thing or you don't <laughs> i don't you know what i mean yeah i feel like so. if it is sort of like last house on the left that's a tough Sort of a tough genre to uh, either like or dislike. Yeah. And then, you know, the the low-budget versions of that, which we do get them every now and again, but it's always the same thing. It's always they figured out how to make some kill scenes, and then they just had to shoot some other shit to fit in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun part, because it's a Canadian movie, they actually come right to my neighborhood kind of thing. They drive right by the highway just by my house so <laughs> nice it's, they, they stop like a, an hour away from here and they're, they're making fun of the name of this like bay where they go swimming and I'm like oh, I know where that is it's right over there <laughs> so I don't know, and then for whatever reason they picked New Brunswick to be the part of Canada where you'll get murdered and slaughtered by this horrible gangs in the woods <laughs> I'm just not sure how they selected that but uh yeah so that would be all I watched this week, I think. Mm. Mm. Uh, not a lot, but, you know. Yeah. It's a busy week. Uh, let's see. I watched a couple things. Uh, I rewatched Happy Death Day. Um, the writer and director of Happy Death Day has a new movie coming out called Freaky, which is basically, uh, you know, Happy Death Day was his horror horror comedy version of Groundhog's Day. And Freaky is going to be his horror comedy version of Freaky Friday. Yeah, I'm all in favor of it. Um, so I showed Amanda the trailer, and I told her this is going to be her new favorite movie uh, for Freaky, and she completely agrees with me. Um, so, like a young high school girl switches bodies with a... With Vince Vaughn playing like a serial killer. So it's, you know, just wackiness when, you know, old Vince Vaughn is trying to explain to these high school kids that he's actually their friend. You know, has to do the uh, cheerleading routine that they would know that it's definitely her. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it looks tons of fun. So. Since that came up, uh, I asked somebody if they had seen Happy Death Day before. They hadn't, so we watched that. Still a good time. Still enjoy it. Yeah, it's a fun one. Um, see, I also watched Random Acts of Violence. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you seen this one? I have, yeah. It's been a while. Really? Didn't it just come out? Maybe we're thinking of different movies. 2019? I did not watch it in 2019. Oh. Uh, so. Well, this one is a horror movie done by Jay Bruchel, who I know okay. you're a fan of from the Goon movies. Yeah, it's not It's not the one I've seen, but I think I've seen one with the same title. I, think I watched a British uh, movie with that title from earlier in the 2000s. Oh, okay. 
Uh, well, this guy in it is a comic book writer. And he has written sort of a uh, popular independent comic book called Slasher Man. And he basically took the idea from a real-life serial killing in this small town. In the, okay. I want to say in the New York area. Um, and, you know, he's written a ton of issues. And actually, the last issue is coming up. He hasn't figured out what the last issue is going to be yet, so he's still kind of feeling it out. But he has to go on this road trip with his girlfriend, uh, his assistant, and then his business partner, played by Jay Purcell. Uh, so they are going to drive uh, the same route that this killer, because it's like the I-95 killer, so somebody that was a serial killer along this highway and would just find victims and kill them and stuff. So they're going to drive that route, and they're going to stop and do a book signing, and then they're on their way to, like, a comic book convention. Um, and then, you know, they're also doing this trail or whatever, just kind of all at once. And along the way, they start encountering people who have been killed in the same way as depicted in his comics, which also replicate specific kills from the slasher serial killer guy and so they start wondering like is this the i-95 killer because i think they insinuate he's never been caught so they they're wondering is this the the real serial killer who has been dormant now coming back and replicating these kills on purpose because he knows about this comic book or is this like a copycat who's obsessed with this guy re-killing people that sounds fun. Yeah. So it's on Shudder. Um, it was okay. I feel like I was following along with it pretty good, but I feel like the ending kind of fell apart for me. But I don't know if there's really one specific thing that threw it off. I think it just maybe just kind of the premise wore a little thin by the time we get to the end. Um. Yeah, it's all right. If you get a chance to watch it via streaming service, it'd probably be worth it. There's some pretty decent kills in it. So, yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds like something I'd like. Yeah. Like I said, Do, I, know uh, I know you're a Jay Shell fan, so. Yeah, I am, so. You're going to be worth it. To, uh, to update you on the movie I was talking about. There's a movie called Random Acts of Violence from 2012. There's one from 1999. There's one from 2002. And there are two currently in development. And none of those are the movie I was thinking of. So. (laughs) It's apparently a very common title. But I still might be completely wrong on the fact that I think I saw a movie with that title. (laughs) You just don't know which one it was. Well, definitely none of the ones that I've found are the ones that I'm thinking of. Yeah. But I will oh, look go. into it. From- uh, the last thing I watched, uh, check out, check, checked out the new uh, DC animated movie, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, um, okay. which I kind of wanted to see and found somebody selling a copy of it for pretty cheap. So I figured... Pick up the digital copy, why not? It costs about pretty much the same for me to rent it that it would to buy it, so I'm like, I'll just buy it. Uh, and it was okay. 
I didn't realize it was as much of a retelling of the origin story for Superman as I okay. turned out to be. It is kind of a new version of that. I kind of go over his first couple outings as Superman proper. And uh, goes against the villain Parasite and then uh, yeah, just some other stuff. I don't know. It was like some of the stuff was okay, but like I said, once we get into the one billion three telling of the Superman origin, I'm uh, just kind of like, okay, we've I've done this like twenty times. I don't know if I need to do it again. So yeah, part. it's kind of one of those stories that's been told. Yeah, so it's that that part kind of uh, was not super excited about. But what are you gonna do? I mean, it's all updated with. Uh, cell phones and streaming and yeah. all that kind of stuff, but just like Somebody me. films Superman with their phone and it's like, oh, who's this? Oh. It's flying through the sky. Well, you know, Lois Lane did. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, she coins the term Superman and everybody keeps telling her it's not going to catch on. But, you know, it is whatever. If you want the Superman origin for like the twentieth time, I guess it would be worth a watch. But what if? Doesn't sound like you wanted it. Nah, not really. I mean, some of the action of the stuff outside of the origin was decent. They actually involve Martian Manhunter a lot with his first couple outings, which was interesting. But <sighs> just could have been could have been something better. I could have. Could have spent money on a different one to watch and probably been happier. But live and you learn. What are you going to do? Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Noah, you're in charge of picking movies for next week. What did you pick for us? Uh, I decided, you know, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to do some more uh, trashy drive-any type movies. Yeah. Yeah. and and this is Murica. So we're going to do Murica Ninja and Murican Samurai. Nice. Those were on my yeah. backup backup list of movies to do if we couldn't get Toy Soldiers or uh, Hostage High or whatever the fuck it's called. Plus, plus, you guys know I love some canon trash. Yeah. It is true. I watched some clips from American Ninja this week because some some YouTube guy put up like a remember Canon and I'm like I do remember Canon I hit play on his video and he played a bunch of clips from that movie. It's like, wasn't that awesome? And I'm like yeah, he kicked all those people. It's great. <laughs> Looking forward to that one. I loved it when I was a kid. I hope it still holds up. Uh, Amer- American Samurai is pretty delightful. I've never seen that one. Uh, it's. It's one of those things. White, white guy trained by non-white people to be white savior uh, underground fighting tournament. You know. You have to be more you specific. That, you, specific on you that, know that You know that old tale from the sea. Yeah, I just don't understand because this one doesn't start out Claude Van Damme like the rest of them do. <laughs> no, yeah. this one stars a guy who thought he was going to be the next Jean Claude Van Damme, and Cannon fucked him. Talk about Dudikoff? No, he's talking about American Samurai. Oh, uh, all right. They screwed. They screwed all of their lead guys. 
Except for Chuck Norris and Charles Bronson. Oh, well, it's debatable, I think, in some ways. <laughs> Have you guys watched the uh, Electric Boogaloo, the uh, Canon documentary? I have not. I you should. keep hearing good things. You should. It's amazing. Yeah, and the, uh, the DVD is worth picking up because it's got the documentary, which is fantastic. And then it just has an option to watch 30 minutes of Canon trailers. And that in itself is good. This is the best thing ever. So worth David, it. David Bradley, that's the guy's name. What else did he do? Oh, things. Oh, okay. Thanks for clearing that up for me. No, he basically he he basically thought he was going to uh, spin off into mainstream movies, and instead he just he got stuck making shitty C movies for the rest of his life. Hmm. Oh, and I see Mark Dacascos is the uh, other guy in this. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't want to say villain because I don't really know who he is in this, but hard to say. He's definitely going to kick some people too, though. <laughs> uh, I do, I do believe he plays. Oh man, is it the brother? I think he's like the other son that was trained by the guy, but then the white guy gets to be white savior, not the real son. <laughs> so he's angry. <laughs> Okay. Once so again, this, you know that old tale from the sea. Yeah. So this guy was in American Ninja 3, American Ninja 4, American Ninja 5, and American Samurai, and then went on to play Cyborg Cop. All right. Shit. It's a pretty good career. That ended in 1997, apparently. Well, you know, good career for the time. I'm almost worried that that means he's dead. Uh, he doesn't have a dead date, so let's oh, still be dead, alive. But nobody cares. Oh, <laughs> you know some people because his career apparently began in 1989 with American Ninja Three. So some people burn brightly. It only yep. last eight years. Apparently, this guy did. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe he just made enough money and was done. Maybe. Does doesn't sound like it based on the titles he was in. <laughs> Uh, today it says usually he is focused on art and painting. Okay. So that means he got really drunk and really high and went to rehab. And now he's, you know, does, does art and painting to center himself. Apparently holds a black belt in Shotokan Karate. Interesting. I'll have to learn more about this guy next week. Yeah. Well, I think we kind of probably discussed all the interesting things about him so far. Yeah, probably. we'll We'll watch that one movie. (laughs) <laughs> it'll still get overshadowed by Dudikoff somehow yeah, oh, yeah I think we know which certainly. movie's gonna dominate the discussion next week <laughs> there's much debate <laughs> well, we're gonna get to watch Dudikoff he wants to go AWOL so he gets to use his motorcycle to literally jump over the wall of his military base <laughs> to go see a girl oh it's gonna be sweet <laughs> I yeah. do believe, if if I remember right, uh, Dudikoff comes back in the later American Ninjas. He does. I, I was just them. looking, and yeah. uh, so this David Bradley or Bradley David or whatever the fuck his name is uh, took over in American Ninja Three, but then Dudikoff came back, and they team up in American Ninja Four. Really, must have been a really nasty threat they had to go up against in Four. And I. Th- 
I think I've seen American Ninja Three by accident, like it was on some like. Amer- no. American yeah. Ninja Three is kind of famous for uh, going way off the rails because it has to do with like a ninja ghost possessing a woman. Yeah, that sounds like a logical transition from the first film. I thought that was just Ninja Three, the domination. I don't know. <laughs> too many off the rails. Like too, many damn, too many damn. Too many damn ninja movies. Yeah, so yeah, then they team up together as their same characters in American Ninja 4. So, the Return of the Dude yeah. of This is what it's called. <laughs> what we need, now now we need a movie that's called, like, Old Ninjas. And it's just uh, David Bradley and Dude and Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> okay. I have three brothers who have to enter an underground fighting tournament for old people. <laughs> Bolo, get uh, Bolo in there too. Um, yeah, yeah. Bolo. So I haven't seen three. I actually saw part of American Ninja Five. That—that's what David Bradley's in it, but he's not playing his character from three or four. What? He can't do that. Uh, and actually, Pat Morita's in it too. Oh. Uh, so from what I remember, this was a movie. It's—it's it's almost more of a comedy than it is like a martial arts movie. Yeah. It- we already knew that from your previous description. It, uh, Can we just become a Canon Films podcast and I mean, just start fine. watching the Canon? Called the Canon Canon? Um, the Canon Canon. And uh, from what I remember, this is a movie they made independent of the American Ninja franchise. And when they were done, they're like, ah, fuck it. Just put the American Ninja name on it. We'll sell it overseas. That sounds right. I mean, not right, but accurate. Yeah, here it is. Let's see. Uh, the film was not originally intended to be part of the American Ninja series. Canon Pictures made it under the title American Dragons. It is even shown on many cable TV stations with this title, but the title was changed to American Ninja 5 before the release. Explains why Star David Bradley plays Joe, a different character than the Sean Davidson character he played in American Ninja 3 and 4. Yeah. There you go. No, Canon. You're so silly. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.